The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. From Washington today, of course, about that uh, op-ed piece that the New York Times uh, published from someone inside uh, the Trump administra- administration. The uh, the title of it is, I'm a part of the resistance inside the Trump administration in Washington. The uh, speculation continues, the search continues for who wrote this and, you know, lots of folks saying, hey, one me. Um, but it, it was an interesting essay and um it's important to note that the op-ed bureau at the new york times is separate from the news bureau at the new york times yeah and uh a couple of things to keep in mind with this Uh, first of all this is actually not the first time just so in the interest of full disclosure this is not assuming for a moment that it, it it is indeed an individual in the know in the White House or in the administration, not necessarily in the White House, but somebody in the know who wrote it. Uh, So the first thing I want to say is that this is actually not the first time something like this has happened. You'll recall at the end of Ronald Reagan's years, uh, there was quite a bit of speculation that... Oh, concern about his mental health, Yes, and that his wife was making certain decisions. There was also Richard Nixon, who... Mm -hmm. uh, His drinking? Yeah, his drinking uh, staff felt was a little out of hand near the end of Watergate. And so uh, there are... I I can't really call those checks and balances Mm -hmm. because that's not officially what they are, but um, the the president of the United States is not a dictator, I guess is what I'm saying. There's there's people around him and an administration, right? So, so some of the notes in uh, this op-ed that uh, if you if you've read or if you you've heard here on six thirty chat, it goes on um, just saying the dilemma which he does not fully grasp is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I would know I'm one of them. To be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America. America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to the country and the president continues to act in a manner that is that is detrimental to the health of our republic. Goes on to say that is why many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of the office. The root of the problem is the president's amorality. Anyone who knows, who anyone who works with him knows, he is not moored to any discernible first principles that guide his decision making. So, and then he goes on to say, yeah. don't get me wrong, there are bright spots that the near ceaseless negative coverage of the administration fails to capture, effective deregulation, historic tax reform, a more robust military, and more. But um, they go on to say, Americans should know that there are adults in the room. Mm. We fully recognize what is happening, and we are trying to do what's right, even when Donald Trump won't. So a couple other things to keep in mind. I mentioned a moment ago checks and balances, of which this is not a check and balance. Um, But there are checks and balances. And so the question 
becomes whether or not somebody should act or lead um, lead cabinet towards one of those checks and balances, which is the amended 25 or whatever they call it, where if I think it's, is it unanimous or two-thirds, I can't recall, of his cabinet uh, believes he's unfit for office, and then it's... Uh, it's taken to Congress, to the total House, so Congress and the uh, and the Senate, and two-thirds of both houses have to also agree that he's unfit. So there is a process for removing a president if, it, if this is it. But And people have asked, well, why not follow that process? Like, whoever wrote this, why don't you organize that pro- process? And if enough people, as you suggest, are in favor of what you're saying or agree with what you're saying, then it should be a simple task to start that process. And, and others have said, encountered that, that, well, that would cause a constitutional crisis. It really wouldn't, because it's a process. So It's a constitutional process. Right. I mean, so they vote on it, and it passes or it doesn't pass, right? Uh, I don't know that it would cause any more of a crisis than has already been caused through publishing this. And then the last question becomes whether or not the New York Times should yeah. have published it, right? And here's what I think. And again, just my way of thinking. Should the New York Times have published it? Yes. Should the person have written it? I don't know. Because I feel as though the person who wrote it should have taken the actions that are covered by those checks and balances in the Constitution rather than simply writing a letter to the New York Times. Um, President Trump having this to say on the op-ed. We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times that's talking about he's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This This is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, because you people deal with it as well as I do, but it's really a disgrace. Uh, I, I will say this. Nobody has done what this administration's done in terms of getting things passed. So when you tell me about some anonymous source within the administration, probably who's failing and probably here for all the wrong reasons, no. And the New York Times is failing. If I weren't here, I believe the New York Times probably wouldn't even exist. And, and someday... So if the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Uh, we're doing a great job. The poll numbers are through the roof. Our poll numbers are great. And guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. We've done more than anybody ever thought possible in, it's not even two years. So thank you very much. a bunch of uh, U.S. sheriffs um, this afternoon. Quickly, let's go to the phone. Hi, Rick. What's on your mind? Oh, turn down your turn down your radio, Rick. Okay. So the folks, though, um, who are now, as we said, everyone is trying to figure out of course. who wrote it. So um, there was a number of people suggesting that it could have been Mike Pence uh, based on one word that was sh- that uh, showed up in uh, the uh, the op-ed, which is Lodestar, and it was uh, a word that Mike Pence has used in the past in, in, in numerous speeches. But uh, Mike's people saying... It wasn't me. No, it wasn't him. So Secretary of State Mike Pompeo... It wasn't me. Dan Coates, the Director of the National Intelligence... 
No, it wasn't any of them. So there you go. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying uh, just blasting the media for what she's calling the wild obsession with identifying uh, the author. She says it's recklessly tarnishing the reputation of those who work under uh, the president. So. Uh, I know we have this text. We have a caller to get to. It's fake. Andrew, figure it out. Uh, the problem is that this isn't out of left field. It actually follows two books, which suggest the same sort of scenario in the White House. And it would be the end of the New York Times for them to publish something right. like this. Let's Absolutely. Get it right. um, you've bought into the fake news business? No. Yeah, I would like, you know, I don't want to rip that band-aid off again, but no, I don't believe it's fake. And and uh, the other theory that I've heard is that oh, the Russians are behind it. Well, no, the Russians would like to have I they think Mr. Them. Trump in office. Uh, you can't have it both ways that the Russians colluded to get Trump into office and now they're trying to get him out. Trying to get him out. That doesn't make sense. Hello, Rick. Oh, hi. So, uh Trump, here's my take on the Trump thing is and and uh you know, verbal diarrhea for sure, absolutely. But he's anti-establishment. And it's obvious that we need to govern our countries, our states, our provinces, our cities. We need to do it differently because it's obvious it isn't working. So when Trump has success, they're so far, so far to the left. They, in the United States, they want war. So they need to, they need to pump their own tires, war, spend money. We need government. We need, we need, we need. But at the end of the day, Trump is anti-establishment, and that's why he's taking so much heat. I'm not saying he does everything right, and, that, and we know that for sure. But at the end of the day, look at our country. The government of Canada can't do business in Canada. We must do governing differently. We need to change status quo because it doesn't work. And you know what? Trump is having success. And when he goes for his, for his midterm and uh, looks at his poll numbers, you know what? Americans like that. The other governments don't like it. I, I mean, it, um, his, his uh, competition within government uh, doesn't like it because they're, they're stab establishment. They want to spend money. They need the tax dollars. They need their jobs. Trump is anti-establishment. That's why he's taking the heat. And I say he's doing great for his country. I wish we had someone in our country that could do the same. Thanks for the call, Rick. Yeah, and uh, hopefully Rick's still listening. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. There's something that Rick just said. Uh, I just want to cycle back to if I can. He said, as often our listeners say as well on our text line, that, well, this is the left, not liking the right. I, I don't think that's true. And, and again, just my opinion. I think it's the establishment not liking somebody from outside the establishment. I think politicians in general, regardless of whether they swing left or swing right, don't like a guy who comes in and is not a politician. That does not, and it, that is in my mind, not an endorsement of Trump uh, from me at all. But I think what it is, is it doesn't matter what your leanings are politically. I don't think they like the idea of somebody who's not a member of their club coming in and they especially and being, and being the head of the club exactly and especially taking over as the head of the club i think uh, that's the resistance that you're seeing well one of the things too and i know that uh jesperson talked with stephen carter this morning who's a longtime political um insider has, has worked on all sorts of um uh, different um uh political uh, games. You're not mm -hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? Political campaigns yes. is what I was trying to say. And, you know, was asked, you know, this, this op-ed was put out as trying to maybe instill some confidence 
in in what is is happening. Don't worry, yep. we're there. We're the checks and balances there. Yeah. But you know, Stephen Carter, um, you know, had a, had a different thought on that. The truth of the matter is that you have to be in a position to speak truth to power. If you cannot speak truth to power, then the leadership has failed. And I don't care whether that leadership is the president of the United States, the premier of Alberta, or in your uh, in your local grocery store, and the manager needs to hear that something's wrong. You have to speak truth to power, and if you can't speak that truth to power, then there's something fundamentally broken within the within the structure uh, that you're purported to serve. And I think that this anonymous voice would have been far more powerful to step outside of the administration uh, and say, this is the reason I am stepping down, or this is the reason I am calling on uh, Cabinet to uh, consider invoking the 25th Amendment. The, there are processes to, to curtail a president that is not fit nor sound. This is not one of those processes. Interesting comments. From really Stephen interesting. Carter. You can go back and listen to it on uh, on uh, the uh, audio vault on 630chad.com. It was a good interview. It was. One other thing after we're, uh, before we leave this topic and take our uh, first break this half hour, a couple of our texters have asked, well, wait a second, is what this individual did treasonous? Um, the answer to that, no, it's not treasonous. The individuals who framed the Constitution intentionally had a very narrow definition of what treason is so as not to allow um, politicians to use the word treason as a political tool. So the actual definition per the U.S. Constitution, this is the definition of treason. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. That's what treason is. That is a long and way from treason. And that is not, right. Yeah. Okay, so again, Premier Notley uh, meeting with um, her market access task force today as well as um, discussing Trans Mountain with members of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. She'll be speaking to the media at around 3.30. We'll take you to Calgary for that live so you can hear what she has to say uh, on that front. Someone says, uh, talk about Burt Reynolds. We did talk about Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds yeah. um, passed away at the age of 82 uh, today. If you want a little bit more of a tribute, here you go. What do you see here? <laughs> well, I see a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you like what you see? Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Get in. Get in. And, and let's make film history. Machines are going to fail, and the system's going to fail. And then? And then what? Then survival. Who has the ability to survive? That's the game. Survive. Ow! You okay? No, I'm not okay. Oh, my God! You're Burt Reynolds! Yes, I am. And if I let you up, are you going to do anything stupid? No. No, I'm not. Hi, uh, Sterling Archer. Sterling Archer? Yeah, you heard of me, huh? Well, right? just from your... Press clippings, yeah. It's pretty hard to stay anonymous when you're the world's greatest secret agent. Well, calling yourself that can't help. I know what the commercial says, but the special orders do upset us. Well, I see there's uh, 400 cases of beer. I'll need the cash for that. No problem. Go ahead, boy. New car. I gotta have a new car to block for the truck, you know? Okay, go ahead, boy. Speedy car. 
speedier than that. You know how to play football? Yeah. Good. Uh, would you like to play football with us inmates? No. Oh. We're gonna play the guards. Yeah, I wanna play. He wants to play. Mr. Sinatra? You may call me Frank. I can call him Frank. Not yet. I'll let you know when you can. Not exactly now, but I'll let you know. What can I call you? Call me, sir? Bet this machine uh, outrun about anything, wouldn't it? Yeah. Motorcycles, uh, state police cars. Just about anything on the road. It's a hot car. <laughs> it's tuned up fine, huh? Only two things in the world I'm scared of. I'm scared of two things? What's that? Women and the police. <laughs> Is that it takes a lot of a good old American green stuff to make one of these things, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, you've got your camera, you've got your film, you got your lights, you got your sound, you got your lab cause, you got your developing, you got your syncing, you got your editing. Before you turn around, you spent maybe twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars on a movie. That's a lot of money. But if you make a good one, there's practically no end to how much money you can make. Reynolds passing away today at the age of 82. That so. last uh, quote yeah. was from, of course, the movie uh, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. And you know there's those uh, lines in movies that stand out in your mind and you remember forever. Um, there's a line from uh, Boogie Nights that Burt Reynolds did not deliver the line. It was delivered by Michael Stein, who played uh, Stephen Samuel Adams. So, of course, that whole movie was the... It was about the adult film industry, but it was mm-hmm. roughly based on the career of uh, John Holmes, if you know anything about male uh, pornogra- pornographic uh, porn stars. Um, but the line that jumps out at me is this young star, played by uh, Michael Stein, is sitting in a hot tub, and they need him to have a name other than the name mm. he has. And I believe he's sitting in the hot tub with Burt Reynolds, and uh, and he says, uh, you know, I was thinking... and. And then it came to me, Dirk Diggler. (laughs) (laughs) Part of what, and no acting expert here, part of what makes a great actor is not the lines they deliver, but what they do when someone delivers lines to them Mm -hmm. to make them look like they're engaged, like they're reacting in real time terms to what's being said to them or to the situation around them as opposed to just remembering what they're supposed to do and say and when he says <laughs> Dirk Diggler Burt Reynolds has so little reaction to it that it's perfect mm-hmm. it's just perfect some actors look so good and casual and natural in front of the camera and Burt Reynolds was one of them you just well, yeah. loved watching him. Well, and, and when you talk about how he would react to certain lines, whether with a little smile, like that little half smile, or nothing like a, what the, you know, just he, yeah, he had that. Think about this. Think about how many guys my age, back in the day, chewed gum the way Burt Reynolds chewed gum. 
He always had it at the side yeah. of his mouth. Yeah. It was always there. It was never obnoxious. You were aware of the fact that he had gum in his mouth. I can't tell you Everyone how many guys. Like, um, you're not Burt Reynolds. I know. And, but <laughs> think about it. You know, how many guys wore uh, a baseball ball cap mm. because of uh, Tom Selleck? How many? I mean, these were guys that just, it's funny because they're thought of as yeah. sex symbols, but they crossed over into, you know, women loved them and men wanted oh, to be like yeah. them. Right. I remember uh, I worked with a fellow who um, would use the word broad all the time. Oh, all you broads, you know, oh. broads is this sort of stuff. And I looked at him and I said, it wasn't Sinatra, was it? And I said, can I just tell you something? You're not Sinatra. <laughs> That's funny. You are not Sinatra. <laughs> um, yeah. Huh. So that's that. That is that. And and you know it's funny too. You think about I, I think about this kind of thing when we lose somebody in the entertainment world, and particularly somebody who, you know, has had an influence on us mm. or who has had, had an influence on their um, profession. I don't want to be sad, and I don't want to be uh, blue, but I want to celebrate. I want to laugh. Burt Reynolds movies. We're not going to win Oscars. Let, let's be honest. Like oh, his. Except for potentially Boogie Nights, yeah. right? And typically, he, it's one of those things where, he, you know what kind of awards Burt Reynolds wins? Um, viewer's choice. choice. Fan's choice. Yeah, those kind of awards. Because yeah. people just loved him. Yeah. I loved him. It was dangerous leaving the theater parking lot after Cannonball Run. <laughs> <laughs> you really had to look in all directions. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chan.